What's up? It's Marv with the Miles Ahead Podcast, and for today, I'm going to be doing an episode. It's going to be based on the NBA. Today, we have a guest by the name of Mike from Mike in New Haven. He has his own podcast. Make sure you guys check it out. And, you know, like, comment, and subscribe. As for my channel, I'm going to be going on a hiatus. So this will be definitely one of my last podcasts that I'm ever going to be doing for a while. So hopefully, you know, I will gain inspiration or, you know, we'll just see where things go. Maybe I will podcast, maybe I won't. But right now I'm just going to be in the thinking stages of what I'm going to do going forward. Now, in regards to Mike, like I said, you know, he's done great for his podcast. He's had news anchors. He's had officers. He's had firefighters. And, you know, he's just continuing to grow and grow as a podcaster, giving great interviews out. So make sure you guys check out his channel. And as for me, you know, hit the like, comment, and subscribe. And you could check out some of my old stuff that I've done on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple. And for my website, for my clothing brand, you can check that out. The link is definitely going to be in the description. So make sure you guys be on the lookout for that as well. And I just want to leave you guys with my slogan before we get started. Let's not be inches, feet, meters, nor yards. Let's be miles ahead. So, Mike, do you have anything that you want to say before we get started. Nah, man, I think you covered everything in the introduction. Thanks for the shout-out, and uh, let's get into it. Thanks for coming. No problem. Happy to be here. Okay, so the first topic that we're going to be diving into, it's going to be based on, as I said, the NBA. So let's just dive into some of those topics right away. At first, we're going to be given our predictions, and one of the first predictions that we're going to be diving into, it's going to be based on who we believe is going to come out of both conferences. So for me, I'm predicting that the Denver Nuggets are going to repeat and go to the finals, and I'm also predicting that the Boston Celtics are going to go to the finals, okay? Now, on the Western Conference side, my sleeper could possibly be the Sacramento Kings or the Thunder, okay? Because they are problems, okay? And, you know, they could do everything, and they're a young, they're a young hungry team. I know the Thunder, they're a little bit more on the outside of it because – they don't really have that much experience, but they're very hungry. And as for the Sacramento Kings, on the other hand, listen, sometimes you have to go through losing in a seven-game series to experience what it's like for you to be in a playoff atmosphere and how far you have to take it. So to me, I think that the Sacramento Kings, they have a great chance of going to the finals this year. As for the Celtics, on the other hand, I'm not going to say that it's an easy road either, okay, because their nemesis are the Heat. Then on top of that, you also got the Bucks coming up out of nowhere. And to me, I think I'm just going to stick with the Celtics because of the addition 
of Drew Holiday and his leadership. So that's my prediction for who I believe is going to come out of both conference and meet in the finals. And if I had to give a prediction for who I believe is going to win the finals, oh, this is going to be really tough. I'm going to have to go with the Nuggets, the repeat, okay? Because Jokic, you know, he's the smartest basketball player, and he's off, and he's actually displaying it right now, and he's in the prime of his career. And, you know, he gets everybody involved through his passing, and, you know, plus he can score, and he's just only getting better, and the team is getting better as well. So that's just my thoughts on it. Mike, what do you think? Well, everybody knows that the uh, Spurs and the Pistons are going to face each other in the finals now. I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm just playing. Uh, yeah, those two teams aren't touching the playoffs anytime soon. Nah, I mean, I kind of in, in, in lockstep with you on this. Um, I don't really see anybody in the Western Conference that can take down Denver right now in a seven-game series. If you look at Phoenix, for example, they're too top-heavy. I don't really like their depth. I mean, they have right. bench, a bench piece in Eric Gordon, who's always been a pretty good bench guy or six-man throughout his career, but I don't think they have enough depth from the bench to, to uh, take up with Denver in a seven-game series. And we saw that last year, right, that, you know, even though they had Durant and that was a big help and they had Booker and over the course of that series, it was not just the excellent play of Jokic and Mary that, and Porter Jr. too that wore down Phoenix. It was the fact that Denver had a much better bench. So, you know, if you look at the rest, rest of the Western Conference as a whole, yeah, I don't look at anybody – that can really, in over the course of a seven-game series, give them significant problems. I don't trust, you know, the, that the Lakers could. I think there's a lot of good teams in the conference. Don't get me wrong, but there's now not. You're just joking. Yeah, I yeah exactly. I don't think the Lakers now you're could. Just I mean, joking. yeah, no, the Lakers yeah. can't. Like I said, I, I I know for a fact the Lakers can't. We saw that last year too. So you give you give me any team that's contending right now in the West. Are there a lot of good teams in the West? Sure. Yeah, there's yes. definitely some good teams. You mentioned Oklahoma City, and they're definitely on the rise. But is there a great team outside of Denver that I'm like, wow, yeah, this team definitely has a shot come playoff time? No, nah, because uh, for a lot of these teams, the ceiling is either second round at best or conference finals. You look at Dallas, same thing. They just don't have – they may have great players in their own right as starters, but they don't have the depth 1-14, to 1-15 to 15 that Denver does. In the East, it's not – it's not that open and shut for me, not because I don't think the Celtics are capable. The Celtics have pretty much spent the entirety of the last eight, nine, ten years at at worst, at least in the second round. Very rarely have we seen them get knocked out in the first round. For the most part, they've been a second or third round team. I can't. I think they've been going to the conference finals. I mean, starting back in what, like 2017 during the Isaiah Thomas years. You know, they were in the conference finals. It yeah. felt like every year. Yeah. So. With that said, I know that come playoff time, when it's late May, early June, they're still going to be playing. That's a great team. And they got Porzingis. And keep in mind, Porzingis, I know it's tough to look at players like this sometimes, that it's a bad team. When he was in Washington, they were obviously not a good team. And he was putting up good numbers. But a lot of people thought, oh, well, yeah, somebody's got to get the points. It's a bad team. Who else is going to do the scoring? But he's actually, not only is he a solid player, and I'm saying this objectively as a Knicks fan, He's also somebody that, if he's being used correctly, can really stretch the floor on both ends. And I think that's what Boston's been missing. They didn't have a big like him before that can not only be solid on the defensive end, but also give you a lot of offense, too. And that's really helped them this year. But the reason why it's not so open and shut for me 
It's not because of Philadelphia, who I don't trust because they choke every year in the playoffs. It's not because of other teams in the conference who are on the come up. I mean, listen, I'm a Knicks fan. I love my Knicks. The Knicks are off to a good start this year. They're not on that level. If they play the Celtics in the seven-game series, would it be close? I think so. Would the Knicks win? Probably not. That's just being real. Miami, that's the team because we've seen this every year. We've seen this every year really since LeBron left and since D-Wade retired. They find they, – do they have a, a really – Good player on their team right now who's a star, Jimmy Butler. Yeah, of course they do. Kyle Lowry, a smart veteran point guard who's an NBA champion. Yeah, but they find they, they're they the new Spurs for me, bro. Where if you remember the prime Spurs in the 2000s with Greg Popovich, them dudes were thick. Popovich was finding random guys off the street, bro, that we never heard of, that we never heard of. And they would come in and they would play great defense or they drop like 15, 20 points off the bench. And you're saying to yourself like, bro, who is this guy? Like, that's the heat now. They got this Jaime Haquez guy or Vasquez guy. I don't know his last name. It's one of the two. Where, again, random dude. I follow the NBA pretty closely. Never heard of him. And he comes in. He, bro, he's had, like, five straight games where he's had double figures. So because of their depth and because of the fact that Eric Spolstra is pretty much, in my opinion, the best coach in the sport, you can make the argument for Michael Malone. But Eric Spolstra, if he's not one, he's at no worse than two. Miami might be the team to make that run again, bro. I have to see Boston. Boston's done it before. They beat Miami a seven-game series, to be fair, two years ago. But I don't know, man. I have to see this current group of Celtics beat Miami in a seven-game series. Right, but I, I think the difference would definitely be Drew Holiday. Yeah, that's true. You know, Besides Porzingis, yeah, that's a fair Mar- point. Yeah, because Marcus Smart, you know, like, he was kind of a nutcase. He could cost the Celtics series sometimes, you know, I mean. And, you know, because he would take too many shots or he would take off-balance shots. I mean, I've seen Drew, I've seen Drew Holiday do the same thing, but I think it's a lot more um, compact. It's not really that bad in terms of the shots that he's taking. And when it comes to Drew Holiday, I mean, he's just a far better defender, in my opinion, than Marcus Smart is. And when it comes to Jimmy Butler, on the other hand, Jimmy Butler, I mean, he has very high highs. Then he has very low lows. I mean, I think in some of those games against the Celtics last season, it will be times when he will be having less than 12 points. Okay, if you're a superstar and you're really of that caliber that people, you know, like to make him out to be, then you should average 20 plus points in a series. So my question is, is Jimmy Butler ever really a superstar? Is he really just a star player that's really just maxing out on his intangibles? And in my opinion, I think it's more so that, okay? I don't think that he's a superstar. I think he's just a star player, borderline superstar, okay? Because in the playoffs, he does show up. But, you know, he's just somebody who you got to watch up, that, that you got to watch for game by game because he can't keep it consistent. One one game, he's going to have 30-plus points, 15 rebounds and six assists. The next game is going to be 10 points, five turnovers, and 
we don't even know who he defended. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I think he's a good player, but as far as him being that leader who's going to take them over the top, he's not that guy. If anything, they really do need somebody of a Kevin Durant caliber or a Luka Doncic caliber to be able to get them a ring. And I do think that Eric Spolstra is an all-time great coach. And it's ironic. It's ironic how much success that Eric Spolstra is getting nowadays without the services of LeBron. And basically, you know, how everybody would say that LeBron has never played with a great coach. When more and more, as the time goes on, that's being proven to be a lie. He did play with a great coach. So, you know, we'll see what happens. And I could definitely see Miami potentially getting to the conference finals, but I can't see them getting to the finals this year because, you know, what's his name? Kyle Lowry is a year older, okay? He should be retiring soon as well. He's not the same player as he used to be, but they definitely do have a great squad and you know, you could always expect for somebody random to play above their skis and do that on a regular basis. So that's that's basketball for you. That that happens in the playoffs on a regular basis where a random role player is just gonna show up out of nowhere. And that's where they count, you know, like the Tyler Heroes or or the guy that you just said, and then you got Caleb Martin. You know, it's a good squad, but to me, I just don't see them being able to get to the finals this year or win. So that's it on my thoughts on that. But, but yeah, as for that, I think that the Bucks they have a very good chance of beating the Miami Heat. And I'm not going to lie, the Sixers, they do too, okay? Now, we all know that, you know, Joel Embiid, he has had a very – interesting history in regards to his injuries and his mentality, but I do feel like the coaching change has definitely shifted him to become an even better basketball player. And plus, then on top of that, you got Tyrese Maxey, who's balling as well. So, you know, it's kind of up in the air for who I believe is going to come out of the Eastern Conference more than it is the Western Conference. As you said, I, I think that the Western Conference is a lot more, you know, of a favorite towards the Nuggets because of their camaraderie. All right. It's all going well for them. They're all playing well. Everybody's playing great on all cylinders. The coach is doing well. So I think that that's a, a huge reason why. Plus, they have that championship experience as well. So all that stuff matters. Now, in regards to the Minnesota Timberwolves, they're balling too. They're doing their thing as well. But I just think that the way that Rudy Gobert was, you know, not being stood up for by his teammates against the Warriors is going to come a time in the playoffs where nobody's not going to take him seriously. And then next thing you know, they lost serious because of his lack of being able to 
stand up for himself in the most crucial times or his teammates being able to stand up for him in the most crucial times. If anything, Rudy Gobert should just trade himself, you know, because it doesn't look good that Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, and everybody else did not stand up for him. So they're a good squad, but they're a second-round exit for sure. Off of that situation alone, they don't have the mentality that's needed to advance. And if anything, a coach like Ime Udoka would have been that coach to bring that out of them and maybe punk Draymond, and then next thing you know, they would look even better in terms of everybody else believing that this team is a team to go forward. So even though they are the number one seed at the moment, I can't see them going that far. But, Mike, do you have any more thoughts on, you know, just who we think is going to come out of both conferences? No, I think you think you pretty much summed it up. I, there's nothing I can add to that. I, I was thinking about Minnesota, but pretty much everything I was going to say, you covered. So, yeah, you nailed it. I got nothing else to add to that. Okay. So the next thought that we're going to give is who do we believe have a chance of, of winning the MVP? And I'm going with Jokic. Jokic, he's playing great right now, and he's doing his thing. I wouldn't say that he is far and above the competition, okay? I mean, a case could be made for De'Aaron Fox. Another case could be made for Jason Tatum, you know, so. And then you got Donovan Mitchell. I mean, you got so many good players that are playing well right now. So I do think that it is close. But I'm going to have to go with Jokic right now. I mean, he's playing great. I mean, I think that he's number one in points, rebounds, and assists. So he's doing great right now, and the numbers are definitely showing. And right now, I'm just going to have to go with Jokic for, for right now. What you think, Mike? Yeah, I'll go with Jokic too. Um, you know, it's kind of it's kind of his award until it isn't. Are there guys like again? He would never win it, unfortunately. But Jalen Brunson's kind of another guy that you would throw into that conversation too, because you see the impact he's making on the Knicks. The Knicks are a completely different team with him, and right now he's averaging twenty five points. He's averaging eight assists. He's having a great start to the year. He had a great year last year. He's continuing everything he was doing last year and was doing well this year. So he's somebody that you can throw into the back end of the conversation. But yeah, I can't, you know, like, like we talked about, even though like to take the Timberwolves, for example, having a great year and they got Cat and they got Ant, it's like I said, Jokic's award until it isn't. Uh, there's no player I feel in the league right now that is head and shoulders above him in terms of the odds to win that award. Now, granted, guys can heat up from – we're in December right now when we're having this conversation of 2023. By March or April of 2024, it could be a completely different conversation. Giannis could have just went off for the next three months after we talked about this. Jason Tatum could have just went off and had a crazy run after we just talked about this. Or anybody else that you could think of. Hey, even though the Warriors aren't looking too hot right now, Steph can go on a crazy run from here to March or April, and the conversation becomes different. But as things stand from stemming from everything we saw last year 
and everything we're seeing this year, I can't really picture anybody other than Jokic winning it. You know, uh, and that's that's kind of where it is right now. Like I said, not to sound like a broken record, it's his award until it isn't. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's a lot of good teams out there, so I wouldn't just hand it straight to Jokic, but like I said, like he's playing great right now. And, you know, it's it's it's, it's quite a few guys who have a good chance. I mean, you got De'Aaron, you got Shea, you know, you got Giannis. So, but at the moment, you know, I, I could basically give a great argument for why Jokic is the MVP. Now, you could give a great argument for any any of the other um top five MVP candidates that we're throwing out as of right now. Because they are balling. And, you know, that's just the way it is. And, you know, we're gonna see what's gonna happen way later on. But these are just our predictions. So and plus then on top of that, I mean, you never do know. The media they end up getting tired of Jokic and just hand it to Anthony Edwards or something like that. Or Jason Tatum, and they may be deserving of the MVP. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, I think it's based on, most of the time, it's based on who has the best record along with the best laps. So as of right now, I mean, you know, you could basically give it to Jokic at the moment, okay? So, you know, this is just our thoughts on the MVP as of right now, and now we're going to move on to who we think is the most improved player. So, in my opinion, I think that the most improved player is Tyrese Halliburton. That man cannot be stopped. Cannot be stopped. Okay? I mean, he's averaging 25 and 12 on great efficiency. Okay? I mean, he's hitting all his shots from everywhere. His passes are elite, and he's doing no looks, all that stuff. And and I'm telling you, I mean, without Tyrese Halliburton in the lineup, they are horrific. I mean, I think they got blown out by, like, 70-plus points by the Celtics one time. Okay? But when he's in the lineup, he makes things happen. And my dark horse is definitely Anthony Edwards. That man is on a mission. Okay, despite, you know, what has been happening with this team and all the drama, he has been balling. Okay, he's showing that he's the alpha on the squad instead of Carl Anthony Towns, who everybody thinks is soft and knows is soft. Okay, especially with how he handled the Draymond Green incident. He should have popped Draymond in the mouth. He should have, you know, now he's even, you know, being perceived as even less respected than a lot of people, okay? So that's just my thoughts on that. But in regards to Anthony Edwards, he's a baller. You know, he can't be stopped. He's playing well defensively and offensively. And, you know, he's choosing the shots right. But as of right now, I got Tyrese Halliburton. What you think, Mike? Yeah, again, I mean, pretty much everything you're saying so far on the show, I 
I've been in lockstep with. I got no qualms about that whatsoever. I feel like Halliburton has taken a major step forward. And I feel like the Pacers are at that point right now where they're trying to move away from the rebuilding and reestablish themselves as contenders. And you can't do that if you don't have an assortment of really solid players and in particular, a franchise player. The Celtics, excuse me, the Pacers right, right now, they're going to play the Celtics tonight, uh, are 10 and 8. Uh, and Halliburton is going to be the part of taking them into the next era. Right now, the man's averaging 27 points a game and just under 12 assists, which is incredible to think. I mean, he was an all-star last year. He should have been an all-star last year. Bruce Brown has been a good addition to that team as well. But when you look at a guy like Halliburton, it goes back to a thing that a lot of old-school NBA purists will tell you, and that is, although certainly other positions can revive a franchise, like you look at the Knicks many years ago, Patrick Ewing was an example of that as a center. If you have a franchise player, period, that's great. If you have a franchise point guard, that is really great because the point guard is the one that's always going to have the ball in his hands all the time. And if that point guard is somebody like a Halliburton, who not only is a great scorer, but is an excellent facilitator as well, that can drive a team. And listen, that's a great basketball town. It's a great basketball city. They love their Hoosiers and they love their Pacers. So the fact that that team is, you know, looking like it's on the come up again and looking like it's a team that's ready to do big things again and he's leading the charge, that's great. And he's, again, he has the benefit of not only being a solid player, he has one, in my opinion, one of the most underrated coaches leading him in Rick Carlisle, a veteran coach who knows that team, knows that city. And obviously, as a former, you know, he's won a championship as a coach with the Mavericks back in 2011. So it's a it's a good combination if you're Halliburton. Good city, good fan base. You're you're the guy for that team, and you have a great coach. I don't think that he's necessarily underrated. I think he's more so overrated in terms of the coach. Um, I mean, he hasn't done anything since 2011. I mean, I think that he made the playoffs about a couple of times with Luca, but then he was a first round exit. So I wouldn't say that he's necessarily an underrated coach. He's somebody who should have been fired like Terry Stotts. The only the difference is is, you know, he's actually won a championship before. So he's basically riding on the same cachet as Doc Rivers. Okay. But you know, he, he does have a coach. He has a coach, so I'll, I'll give him that for sure. But honestly, I think it's all being ran by one person, Tyree Shallenberg. I got you. That's a fair point. That's a fair yeah, point. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so, now that we're, so now we're finished with this part of the conversation, you know, these little thoughts on the brief topics of the NBA. Now we're going to move on to James Harden. So we're going to give our thoughts on James Harden, how the Clippers are going so far. Mike, do you have any thoughts on James Harden? What thoughts don't I have on James Harden? Uh, you know, everywhere this guy has gone, I mean, listen, with the exception of Oklahoma City, he started there, and that's always going to be one of the biggest what-ifs. You know, if that three of Durant, Westbrook, and Harden stayed together, what would have happened? You know, we know his history after they made the finals in 2012. They traded away hard, and I don't think they have the money to pay him. And that uh, put an end to that big three. And Houston, all right. You know, listen, it was his first time having a team that was his team. And for years, 
playoff contender. They made the playoffs pretty much every year he was there. Got to the conference mm-hmm. finals twice while he was there. He won an MVP while he was there. It wasn't right. until he got to Brooklyn that I saw, oh, this is why he won't win. Because, you know, listen, as I've explained whenever I've been a guest on your show before, Marv, like Marv and I, for those of you listening to this, go way back. Like we go back to college together and we would sit in the library in between classes, you know, with our friends talking about the NBA, sports period, but the NBA a lot and talking about specifically Harden, James Harden a lot in the sense that we wondered, you know, we would debate, could a player of his style, you know, could a player of his capabilities ever win a championship? And the answer is no. And it's not because he isn't talented. We know he's talented. It's because he's selfish and because he's egotistical. And everywhere he's went, he's essentially been the problem. Houston gave him everything he could have wanted. He ran Dwight Howard out of Houston. They made a conference finals together. Didn't get along with Dwight. Threw Dwight out the door. They give him Chris Paul. And say what you will about Chris Paul. That team, they had success together. They won 65 games one year. He didn't like Chris Paul. They threw, he threw Chris Paul out the door after Chris Paul and him had just come off a 55-win season, which is not bad in its own right. Then they reunited with Russell Westbrook. Those two, pandemic or not, didn't even last the season together. He got rid of Westbrook after one season. And then he pouts his way out of Houston because in a press conference, which was super unprofessional in the postgame, goes to Brooklyn, is hurt most of his time in Brooklyn, hardly ever plays. When he did, he was ineffective completely against the Bucks in that seven-game series, bad hamstring or not. He was ineffective. Then he doesn't even have the guts to demand a trade because he's afraid about, about the backlash from the fans. They trade him to Philadelphia, and he pouts his way out of there, and Doc Rivers brought it up on Bill Simmons' podcast. When, during the early stages of last year, you noticed the Sixers were firing on all cylinders. And to be fair to James Harden, he was a huge part of why. Because he was actually playing like a guard should. He was scoring. And he was being unselfish in the process, setting up his teammates, running the offense well to where I thought to myself, hmm, man, the Sixers might actually do it this year because it seemed like they finally got him to buy in. And once he bought in, he was great for that first half of the year. But uh, Doc Rivers brought up something interesting when he said when James Harden did not make the all-star team last year, he wasn't selected. That's when his style of play changed. And he went back to being that same Harden we've seen before, that he can give you 40 points, but he's not efficient, and he doesn't make his teammates better. What did he do when they got to the playoffs? Okay, they got past round one. They played a good, not great Nets team, swept them. Competitive series, but they swept them. Got to the second round, up three games to two on the Celtics. What did he do? Choked in the final minutes of game six, choked in game seven. And then he pouts his way out of uh, Philadelphia, and now he's in the Clippers. This is a guy who's south of 30, has a history of quitting, and now you're putting him as a guy that also in recent times has developed a bit of an injury history on a team with two other great players who also have a checkered pass when it comes to injuries, especially Leonard, and a guy in Westbrook who's also south of 30, and you're expecting this to work. Can the Clippers get to the playoffs? Yes. Can they get past a round? No. They're a play-in team at best, and they have James Harden running the point saying, I am the system. Well, clearly the system isn't been working. So why the Clippers thought it could and why the Clippers even decided it was a good idea to make that gamble is beyond me. We're not in NBA 2K where you can turn the injuries off and play a full season. Injuries are real. He's going to go down. So is Leonard. So is George. And the Clippers now are not only in cap hell, they're also in draft pick hell. They don't have a pick, I believe, until 2027 or I think even later than that, maybe even 2030. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, you just summarized, you know, the the greatest quitter of all time. Oh yeah, he's the, if there was a Hall of Fame for quitters, he's first ballot. Yeah, for sure. I mean, 
But to me, I never viewed James Harden as a superstar. I just never thought that he was a championship caliber player. He was just somebody who was borderline on the cusp of being a superstar. He was a bubble superstar, but he was never anybody who deserved superstar status, okay? And it's been like that throughout his whole career. The crazy thing is that it's just people, they just have so many expectations, even when you're not that, because of the money that you make. The money does not make you a superstar. It doesn't turn you into a superstar. And that's the same thing that Damian Lillard has been going through throughout his whole career. You know, he's somebody who was being used to being in a a big fish in a small pond. Okay? And this is the same thing that James Harden, James Harden is going through as well. He's used to being considered that guy. And you know what's crazy? You did say that he's egotistical and narcissistic, right? Every athlete is. <laughs> Nothing yeah. changes, okay? Right. LeBron is egotistical, narcissistic. Steph Curry's egotistical, narcissistic. Like, none of this stuff changes, okay? Now, the difference between him, him and everybody else is a superstar in regards to James Harden. James Harden, he doesn't have the mentality, and he's never had that mentality in terms of trying to uplift his teammates. He's a terrible leader, okay? He can't do it, and we know that he can't do it. And, you know, he's somebody who's always fishing for a foul instead of just trying to make the shot, okay? He's been like that throughout his whole career as well. And if anything, if James Harden was playing in the 90s, or the 80s. He's somebody who would be coming off the bench instead of being a starter and being a Hall of Famer. Because it's obvious that he can't do something like that when it comes to his style of play. Okay. Now, back in the day, James Harden, he used to shoot mid-range jump shots. Now he don't do none of that. Okay. He has walked away from what kind of made him a little bit more successful than what it, than, than what it is today. Okay, James Harden, I think that he deserved to be in the top 75, right? I think that he deserved to be in the top 75, but to be honest with you, he's just somebody with just a lot of high expectations, and in the media circuit, okay, right now, you know, with the combination of his quitting capabilities that he always does and him not showing up in the playoffs this is just a repeated cycle okay and he's probably going to do it to the Clippers again yeah. I would not be shocked if he quits on the Clippers too but if anything you know he'd probably be much better in winning championship for the Shanghai Tigers <laughs> you know go play overseas because if anything, you know, that's probably the best area where he could be the system and win. Okay. That's what Stephen Marbury did. 
That's what he did. So. It, it worked out for him. He's like the Michael Jordan of China. If you go over, if you go over to China, Stefan Marbury is a national hero over there. So it worked out. It worked out. And to be honest with you, I mean, I mean, he's basically, I, I wouldn't say that he's the AI of our time because I think that James Harden is better than Allen Iverson. But at right? least AI made a finals. He's better than Allen Iverson, but AI actually made it to a finals. They both made it to a finals. Oh, yeah, you're true. Yeah, for, sorry. Yeah, 2012. I'm talking about, well, as you know what, as the lead guy. Yeah, as yeah, the yeah, lead yeah. guy. Yeah. As the lead guy. And then what? He didn't make the playoffs. Was a first-round exit. You know, I think that Allen Iverson, you know, they like to say that he was great for the league. And in my opinion, I don't think that he ever was great for the league. Yeah. Okay. For the what, culture. What he promote, and even for the culture, he wasn't great either. What he promoted was all the bad things of the black community. Yeah. Okay. That's true. And to, and to me, if Allen Iverson had Isaiah Thomas's mentality, he'd probably be a top 10 player of all time. Yeah. Okay. But he didn't. Okay. He came in there trying to play a position that he's not. Okay? He should have been trying to play the, the point guard position. But you want to be a shooter and a shot jacker like Jordan. Even though he's below six feet and what everybody what everybody likes to say is, oh, he's a he's 165 pounds soaking wet. Well, guess what? You will be more pounds if you actually went to the weight room and actually practiced. See, Allen Iverson, he's a result of no discipline, okay? He had all the talent, but no discipline. Michael Jordan, he had the talent and the discipline. Isaiah Thomas had the talent and the discipline. That's the difference. And plus, on top of that, when you add that in with Allen Iverson and his, quote-unquote, glorifying what happens off the court in terms of the streets and the music and all that type of stuff, that's when you get the Russell Westbrook of the previous generation. That meaning that that being him just being a shot jacker, him, you know, trying to, you know, excite the crowd through all these, you know, crossovers. You know, if anything, Allen Iverson is the most overrated basketball player of all time. All right. Now, in regards to James Harden. They're basically the same, okay? But I think that James Harden is better. <laughs> um, but I, I, I didn't mean to go off on Allen Iverson like that, but, you know, that, that's just that's just the way I've been feeling about Allen Iverson. But what you think, Mike? Nah, that's, that's, that was good. That was a classic. If we, if we ever put out a highlight from the show, that's the highlight right there. <laughs> the AI rant. Hey, I liked it. That was good. Yeah, it was random, random. Uh, but that that's it on James Harden. We gave our thoughts on it. Like like we both said, he's a quitter. Definitely deserved to be a top 75 player. But I'll say this. With the amount of talent that he has played with in his career, bro, should he really make the Hall of Fame? Like, like, is there, like, is there a slot where we could say, you know, James Harden, no, you don't deserve to be there? Because we can't. 
because if you if you, it, there should be, I agree. But if you look at his, it, it's it's like the same thing with Westbrook. If you look at the individual accolades strictly on paper and not with the yeah. eye test, they're they're both first ballot. Like you can't. I would love it if James Harden had to wait a while. But even if James Harden didn't get in on the first ballot, he would get in eventually. So I yeah, right. He, right. he's. It, as far as statistics yeah, go, think, yeah, you have to put him in. Yeah. Unfortunately, it pains me to do it, but you'd have to put him in. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but that's that's just the way it is. I mean, what watch what's gonna happen in the playoffs? So unless yeah. unless uh you know he gets injured and then Kawhi has to take over, I can't see them doing anything. Nope. But like you said, I I agree. First or second round exit for sure. Mm-hmm. Depending on the team they go up against, I agree. Now, the next topic that we're going to go into is the Warrior Wolves. So, Steph Curry has been playing his eyes out. MVP candidate, you know, playing like he's one of the best players of all time, playing like a top three player in this league. Some people, they would say that he's the best player in the NBA. I can't say that because the record doesn't match it. But he has been balling, but the team hasn't, okay? Now, my question is is for Steph, how long are you willing to be loyal to the soil? That's the real question. Should you ask yourself, man, I've done everything for Golden State. Shouldn't they do something for me and trade me to a different team? Because at the end of the day, with the way that things are going, okay, they may not ever win again, okay? This may be the last ride. And do we really want Steph to, you know, live out the rest of his prime with the way that he's balling right now, going down in the playoffs or put it like this, we're not seeing the best version of him anymore? No, that's ridiculous. If anything, I will go to the front office and, you know, demand a trade if things don't get better. Okay? So if Clay Thompson continues to shoot like this, if Steve Kerr is putting in Moses, if, if, if Steve Kerr is keeping Moses Moody out instead of keeping, instead, quote unquote, keeping Clay Thompson in, even though he's way past it, can't guard anybody, couldn't guard me and you, and we're not even out there, Mike. Okay? He can't guard me or you. We're not out there. All right? And then on top of that, you know, we got injuries here and there. You got Chris Paul, who's out. You got Andrew Wiggins, who is having issues mentally, can't shoot, can't do none of that. All right. I mean, he's been playing a little bit better as of recently, but where was it before? You didn't work out. Then on top of that, then you got Draymond Green, the ultimate head case. Okay. I mean, he has more gray in his beard. I mean, he has so much gray in his beard that he should be in a just for men commercial. Like, that's something that's very confusing with this guy, Draymond. All right? He stresses himself out. He does all these antics thinking that it's going to 
galvanized the team to get a string of wins. But it hasn't been happening as of lately, huh, Draymond? Huh? Because you're stupid. <laughs> you're not a genius. All right? You're not. And you know what's crazy? The fortunate thing about Draymond is everybody they always want to say, oh, he's the leader. Okay? He's the leader. Uh, he He's the vocal guy. But Draymond... Leaders, they are even killed. Okay? They're not going to have mental outbursts that's going to cost them championships. All right? That's his problem. All right? Draymond is one of the most narcissistic basketball players of all time. All right? He thinks that he don't stink because he won four championships. But I will say this. The one mulligan that I could give him is, you know, he has shot the basketball better, but he has not been on the floor enough. I mean, the last situation I saw him play in, he had gotten a tech as soon as he got back from the suspension. Okay? A tech as soon as you get back? Are you serious? And then the next thing you decide to do, the next thing that you decide to do is you get a foul in a crucial moment, thinking that that is something that's going to galvanize the team. Well, no, it just made it worse. Then you got, you know, like I said, Steve Kerr and his rotations, very idiotic rotations. I don't understand why Kaminga and Moses Moody aren't getting more minutes. I don't. And then you got Gary Payton, and then you got Trace Jackson, then you got Pajinski. All these guys can play, but for whatever reason, you're still hanging on to the thread of the veterans. All right. Now the only person who I the only person who I will understand is Steph. But that's it. All right. Everybody else, they're inconsistent mentally, and they're not coming with a great mindset, all right? So, like I said, does Steph want to be loyal to the soil? Because it's clear that everything isn't fertile anymore. So, Mike, what do you think? I think it's an interesting point. I personally don't see it. Not that I don't agree. I, I agree with what you're saying, but I think it's one of those things where he'll probably retire a warrior. I'd be shocked. If he if he didn't, I mean, listen, greater players have finished their career elsewhere and not just in basketball across multiple sports. Yeah, they've, been, of course. they've been with one team for a long time. But if they still want to contend and they still want to see if they can get one more ring before they go, they do get traded. It happens. Uh, and he is in a big contract. He's in the middle of that two hundred and one million dollar contract he signed a few years ago. But still, I I think we talked about this off the air and I can mention it briefly here is that. The Warriors missed out on a chance to probably competitively rebuild following last year. And what I mean by that is this. They had a rough – it wasn't easy. You know it. Last year, for their regular season was not an easy one. There's a lot of ups and downs. They snuck in as a seventh seed, I believe. And they had a war with the Sacramento Kings. Excuse me. A straight-up war with the Sacramento Kings in the uh, first round. That Stephen Curry goes off in game seven, drops 50 points. And you know what? He carried them. 
Then they lost that six-game series against the Lakers to where, you know, all the LeBron fans got their revenge on Steph Curry because LeBron got his uh, his last laugh back. He didn't really, but he beat him in a six-game series. Not really, he did, nah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah, but LeBron fans act like, oh, this is revenge. No, it's a second-round series. It's not the NBA Finals. But anyway, um, I think after that series, which the Warriors could have won, honestly. The Warriors, I think they just yeah, didn't play up to their cap- They didn't play up to their capabilities. You know, if they would have played to a, a, a smidgen of their capabilities, I think they would have beat the Lakers. That's when and Draymond's- it was bad rotations. <laughs> yeah, bad rotations and Jordan Poole being a complete idiot on top of that. But yeah, that that's being a, said, that's a- that being said, Draymond was a free agent. Clay was a free agent. There was the yeah. chance to say, you know what? We've had a hell of a run, boys. We went to six finals. We won four championships. I think it's time to move on and let Clay go elsewhere and let Draymond go elsewhere. And then you got Steph, and you can retool the team around Steph, which is kind of what they did for the 2021-2022 championship team. They just kind of moved certain parts around, built it in his mold, and that, I think, probably could have extended the run to where I'm not going to bury the Warriors. I do think they'll turn it on at some point and they'll make the playoffs. But this is a roster that is unathletic, is slow, is older. And on top of that, they're not as quick they as they once were. Right. Yeah, they, they don't have any size either. Yeah, they don't. They don't have a big that can stretch. stretch. Honestly, a player like Porzingis would have been great for the Warriors. I think he would have thrived in Steve Kerr's system because not only is he a skilled, like I mentioned earlier, a skilled offensive player, he could have spaced out the floor and opened up a lot more opportunities for Steph. For Clay, if he's ever able to figure it out, take a little bit of the onus off Draymond to where, again, you have bad rotations and you don't have an athletic roster. And their solution, like like I talked to you the other day on Wednesday, was to go out there and get an older 38, 39-year-old Chris Paul to where even if he was supposed to be a bench piece, you can't rely on him to lead the second unit. Why? Not because he's not capable of doing it, but because, hey, he gets hurt a lot. He gets hurt all the time. If you're making this trade five, ten years ago, it's a no-brainer. It's a home run. You're making it now when Chris Paul were, say what you will about him, he is going to the Hall of Fame. He's one of the better guards of his era, even though he hasn't won anything. He is a skilled guard. You're asking him to replicate that when he's pushing 40. So, uh, you know, it's amazing. Bob Myers, who will go down as one of the great executives in the history of the sport, and really all sports, with what he was able to do across the years, putting that team together uh, that won four championships. The second he leaves, you see now how important he was to that franchise because their front office has gone down the tubes with the amount of stupid moves they've made. I wouldn't really say that it's the front office. Uh, I probably would I mean, you. I mean that that is a good case. It's a good case. But I I probably would say that that they definitely did need the big. Like that's probably the only thing that they were missing. Uh, I probably would not have gone out to Porzingis per se per se, but I probably would go after Vucevic and maybe Alex Caruso. You know, like Trey Clay and maybe uh, Wiggins. For those two players, you know, like that could work out a lot better for this team. But as far as Clay Thompson, I think that anywhere that Clay Thompson goes, he's definitely going to fall off mentally because he's leaving a team that he won championships with a team. 
that's kind of, you know, the best chemistry that he's ever had. And if he were to go to a different team, I believe that he would fall off even more. Okay, because I don't think that he'll ever be able to recover from from the anguish that he's going up against mentally. Okay, because it's just going to be tough for him to be, I wasn't that guy. Next thing you know, he's going to try and be that guy, which he's been trying to do. And it's been terrible because of his shot selection has been terrible. And some some of his decision-making has been terrible. I mean, it's really nothing else that he could really do. So I could see him potentially retiring sooner rather than later. Yeah. Okay. I can yeah, see that definitely you, happening. When you tear your ACL twice, it kind of shortens your career. I'm not even trying to be funny when I say that, but let's yeah. an ACL tear is a significant injury. No matter what sport you're in, it's a significant injury to come back from. Then you're going to tell yeah. me you tore two ACLs. The fact that he's even walking, yeah, I mean, right? No, not walking. That's, that's overly dramatic. The fact that he's even playing to begin with. Achilles, it was the Achilles in his ACL. There's Achilles in his. The fact that he's like, even still playing, period, is is, is even incredible. Still, that's worse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, it's this, incredible it he's incredible. even still able to take the court in the first place. But, yeah, I mean, you can't right. – I think it's it's the uncomfortable thing to say, but it needs to be said. And it's not his fault. He suffered t- two career-altering injuries back-to-back. He's not the same guy anymore. He's just not. Even with modern medicine, it right. takes something out of you. It took a lot right. out of him. Right. And the recovery process was even tougher on him because I think – both times it happened during the off season. Like, I think one time it was in the finals, right? Yeah, against Toronto. And then the other time, the other time he was coming back, and then it happened during the off season. Yep. So, you know, that's that's terrible for him to have to go through that. But I will say this, you know, if he doesn't step it up even more, then, you know, it's just giving – the front office an even bigger reason for them to trade him and for Steve Kerr to be fired, you know, because this, because it's both of their contract years. All right. Both of their contracts are up. Right. And as far as Steph Curry, like I said, you know, does he want to be loyal to the soil for this long? I mean, I think that I do believe that he does, still have it in him to end up winning a fifth title. Okay? The thing is, is, is the team good enough? Okay? That, that's more so what it's about more than anything. And if the team isn't, I think they should leave. And I, I, I would understand the reason why he would stay. Okay? Because, you know, he's used to that environment. But to me, I wouldn't be mad if he left either. Okay? Like I could see him going over to uh, Miami and turning that squad to a whole different team and winning the championship over there. You know, I, I could see him going over to put uh, Paul George with the Warriors, too. Hey, that's a whole different squad. Steph and Kawhi? It's stupid. Yeah. So, if they can stay you know, out. I mean, who knows? Who knows what Steph is thinking right now? And, um, you know, hopefully, you know, we'll see some solution this trade deadline. Or maybe Clay Thompson does step up. 
you know, or maybe Andrew Wiggins does step up. You know, maybe that this is just early season woes. But in my opinion, I don't really see it being that way as of right now. Yeah, it could take trades. It could take trades. And, you know, if I, I hate to use the Lakers as an example, but I have to here because that's kind of what turned their season around last year to where they were awful at the start. They were 2-10, and ten, terrible team. And they completely, completely flipped the roster around, as you remember, at the deadline last year. It was an entirely different team post-deadline than it was uh, pre-deadline. And that, you know, say what you will about LeBron, say what you will about AD, all that stuff. It turned their season around. They went on a run after that. And like it or not like it, certainly we didn't. But, hey, it happened. And they ended up in the conference finals. Now, granted, they were beat by a much better team in the Denver Nuggets. But they ended up in the conference finals, which when they started the season two and ten, you would have never been able to tell that, you know, they would have ended up getting that far. So my point being, much like the trade deadline of last year completely turned the Lakers season around, um, you could see something similar happen with the Warriors where they may be floundering, but they make some key moves. They make some additions, you know, like the Lakers uh, were able to do at last deadline and it could completely flip the switch for them. Yeah, I I think it would be e- I think it would be a lot easier for the Warriors fan base to get over that more than it would be easier for you know anybody to get over what LeBron does on a regular basis because LeBron you know he does that for every team that he's on okay he'll trade the whole team come trade deadline next thing you know they get to a finals or a conference finals like this is repeated over and over and over and over again. So it'll be a lot more understandable if Steph was to do something like that or just leave it or or just end up leaving himself. So I can see either situations happening. So just don't be shocked about what happens in the future for that team. Yep. So another topic that we're going to speak on is... Get your drum rolls ready. We're going to talk about the Lakers. Okay? And I really don't... I'm really not a LeBron fan. Okay? I have him at number seven all the time. I don't understand why people have him so high at number two or number one. I mean, he's a great politician. I mean, he knows how to really work the media. I mean, he's great at doing it. But to me, I mean, he to me, I think that he's just in the league at this point, okay? Because he cannot handle what it's going what it's going to be like when he retires. Because all he knows is basketball. Okay, that's his problem. All he knows is basketball. And I think it's going to be a lot tougher for him to be able to adjust being a regular person and not being considered the it guy in every room. Okay, that's just what I think is going to happen to LeBron for when he ends up retiring. Because at this point, I guess you're playing for until year 25. Next thing you know, everybody's going to be like LeBron in year 25. Okay? Look at him doing this in year 25. He's averaging 
25 and 5. I mean, yeah. to me, I just think that it's oversaturated with the amount of people who are acknowledging how great he is in every year that he goes up. Okay? I think that LeBron is extremely immature. I mean, just look at what he wears. I mean, he's out here trying to wear things that a 20-year-old would wear or a 25-year-old would wear. All right? He's not wearing anything that's 40-plus years old. He is in a mind state that, that, that basically just wants to stay young for the rest of his life. And he's not going to be able to avoid that any longer. I mean, the man, he's rocking grills. Who's rocking grills at the age of 40? Other than rappers. Other than rappers that you know. Other than rappers that you know. And it makes sense for them to do that. It does make sense. Okay? But I'm sick and tired of the media constantly talking about what he's doing in year 21. All right? What about Kevin Durant in year 17? All right? What about Chris Paul in year 19? What about Steph Curry in year 15? All right? What about all these other players who are playing well at this time? And to be honest with you, they really shouldn't be. Okay? And my question is, why is LeBron playing this well at this time? Okay? Because... Paul Pierce, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, all the other all-time greats, at some point within their career, right, their talent and everything just kind of just falls down. All right? Everything starts to dwindle. So the real question is, what is LeBron James spending that a million dollars on? What is he spending the million dollars on? How much are those steroids? <laughs> How much is it, LeBron? How much is it? How much is it? All right. Now, now as of right now, we're not going to dive into, you know, the alleged steroid guy and LeBron James. All right. But. I just want to make a joke about that because at the end of the day, I'm just sick and tired of the whole year 21, year 13, year, year this, year that. We get it. What you're really doing, LeBron, is all you're doing is you're just shooting more threes. Okay? You're shooting more jump shots. You're not the same player as you used to be. We understand it. You're using your mind more. You did that in last year's playoffs. Uh, you know, getting into Draymond Green's head. It worked. It worked. All right? Dray Draymond, he's so easy to manipulate. Okay? Now, when it comes to the Lakers, right? Yes, they do have a pretty decent squad. Okay? They got Austin Reeves. They got Anthony Davis. They got Roy Hachimara. They got D'Angelo Russell. Okay, they have a decent squad. But let's stop acting like they have a chance of winning the championship this year. Every year, it's what are the Lakers, what are the Lakers chances? What are the Lakers chances 
What? They don't have a chance. Okay? LeBron James is a year older, and Anthony Davis, it's another year of him being the scapegoat. Another year. How many times does LeBron have to do this with Anthony Davis? I mean, think about this. Anthony Davis, throughout his whole career, he's been inconsistent. Why would there be anything different? And when it comes to all the other superstars, all time, from Kevin Garnett to Tim Duncan, everybody else dwindles when it comes to their points and scoring. Why would we expect them to be consistent? It's going to be years where, where a player is averaging 18 to 25 to so all this type of stuff, okay? The consistency for when it comes to Anthony Davis is with his defense, okay? He anchors that defense, okay? But Anthony Davis, he's a scapegoat all the time. Blame AD, blame this. I'm trying to give you the keys. That's what LeBron likes to say on a regular basis. Yeah, right. <laughs> the keys to being the biggest scapegoat. First it was Russ. And then back in the day, it was Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. All right. And then at times it was J.R. Smith. All right. It just scapegoat and the scapegoat and the scapegoat. When to tell you the truth, all he's just trying to do is just find other excuses for why he loses all the time. Why does he lose all the time? Because of the way he plays basketball. He's not consistently trying to get everybody involved. He plays like Galactus. Okay? He is somebody who has to suck up all the energy. Okay? And it works for him, okay? And to be honest with you, he should not have been somebody who ended up winning four championships in the first place, but he did. You got to give it to him, all right? If anything, it's really three championships. And, (laughs) I mean, look, I count the bubble. Yeah, I did too. I count it, but... We we all got to take into effect, you know, the traveling. Okay, you got the crowd situation, and then you have, you know, the Lakers during that time of the pandemic, right? They were training, and they were not supposed to be training. Remember when that was caught up? Yep. On the internet. Mm-hmm. And. To me, you know, I don't really count, I, I count that, but will this type of situation ever happen again? The answer is no. So you got one outlier in, in all the other championships, but yet we're supposed to make this the quote-unquote hardest championship in regards to the media trying to make this a huge you know, situation, and it's really not. It's really not that big, okay? And if anything, like, this is probably the least valuable championship that LeBron has in all of his career. Now, in regards to the 2016 one, I'm not going to, you know, 
go through all the situations that happened in that finals. But about three out of the four championships are Fugazi for LeBron. All right, they're not solid championships. All right. And a lot of people have won on LeBron James' watch. Okay. And yes, I think that LeBron James is better than Kobe Bryant all time. I do. I don't have LeBron I don't have Kobe Bryant in my top ten. Okay. LeBron James, he's great at bringing an impact to a team than Kobe Bryant ever was. Okay? He has four MVPs, all right? And he's always been somebody who was able to finish in the finals better than Kobe was. All right? Now, LeBron, he did he did play in a weak Eastern Conference, okay? But Kobe played against weak finals competition. Okay? But... That's it on my thoughts on the Lakers. Um, and then the last thing I want to touch on is Ime Udoka, but I want to get Mike some time to be able to talk as well. So go ahead, Mike. Oh, no, I think, listen, I got nothing on the Lakers because you pretty much covered it all. Um, you know, it's it's going to continue until he retires. I think the longest anybody ever played in a sport was Chris Chelios in hockey. Uh, he was Hall of Fame defenseman. He played for 26 years, 1984 to 2010. LeBron, I don't know if he wants to go for that record. I don't know what the record is in the NBA exclusively for most seasons played. Uh, but he wants to play with the Suns. So, I mean, there's nothing really to add there that hasn't been said. I think you nailed it. So, yeah, we can, we can talk about, speaking of LeBron, him and Ime. Yeah, um, Mike, what's, what's your thoughts on the Ime Udoka situation? Uh, did, did you think that it was funny or... It was funny. Yeah, somebody, some, some, it was funny because I, I don't really, I mean, you see coaches get ejected for arguing like foul calls. That's like not uncommon. They'll get texts for that. They'll get thrown out for arguing foul calls and reviews and things like that. But you never see them really get ejected for beefing with another player. And somebody put the exchange where I guess LeBron, uh, excuse me, Ime had called LeBron the B word. And LeBron was like, hey, don't we're, we're men. Don't use it so loosely because Ime was saying, yo, stop whining. This is what I just saw online. I don't know if it's true or not. Right. But well, the rumor was Ime was saying, hey, LeBron, stop being up and whining so much, which LeBron does. He does whine a lot. All the star players whine a lot when they yeah. have calls. Um, yeah. And that's when Ime said that. And LeBron's like, hey, we're both men. He's like, hey, we're playing basketball. It's a sport. It gets thrown. You, you, you've heard that word before. And he's like, yeah, I know, right. but don't, don't use it so loosely. And I guess. And I, he's probably I, said it. He's probably yeah, said he, it too. I'm sure LeBron yeah. has said it. I guess LeBron's point was, and I can understand to a degree LeBron's point where he was like, hey, just don't use it so loosely. But I'm like, they, again, I'm trying to find what the exact exchange was. Um, I can't see I it. Think, uh, I, I think he may said, yeah, I said it. Yeah, he, he did. Yeah, I'm, say, I'm looking yeah, at, I'm actually. It. I'm actually looking at it right now, and you're right. He did say it, but that's the thing. I'm like, you're ejecting. If you're a referee in that situation, listen, I get it. And it's again, you go through the years. Every star player had the refs pretty much in his pocket. The refs worshipped the ground Michael Jordan walked on back in the day. It's yeah. just how it was. The refs worshipped the ground that Magic Johnson and Larry Bird walked on. The same way the refs worshipped the ground Kobe walked on. 
same way they worship the ground that LeBron walks on. And if Wembenyama becomes a player in that category, they'll do the same thing with him down the road if he gets to that level. I'm not surprised at the ref stepping in in that situation, but at the same time, a technical is one thing. To throw somebody out of the game for that, for that, with the kind of things we've heard said yeah, it wasn't over the years bad. on an MB- it wasn't, it that, wasn't bad. that bad. Yeah. I'm like, com- that's kind of that's that's Mickey Mouse stuff compared to some of the stuff that we've heard. I mean, Rajon Rondo was using homophobic slurs on the court, and I don't think Rajon Rondo got thrown out of the game for that. He got fined, but he didn't get thrown out of the game for calling a referee who happens to be gay, by the way, in, in actually in real life. That's not even a joke. He's th- it's it's uh, Bill Kennedy's the name of the ref who's actually a gay man. Rajon Rondo called him, you know, mm-hmm. you know, the yeah, I think I'm gay people. Yeah, and he, he didn't get thrown out of the game. He got fined. He got fined. So I'm yeah, saying yeah. If, you're, if you're not going to throw out Rajon Rondo for being homophobic in the middle of the game, <laughs> you're going to throw out Ime Udoka for using a word that I'm like, bro, people, I'm, I'm eating, they're not even directing it at opposing players. Like when somebody gets an and one, we've heard it when we play basketball, and one, followed by that particular word. So I thought it was soft. I thought it was really soft that, that they threw EMA out of the game for that. That was stupid. And we say something, man. I thought the Rockets were going to be pretty bad this year. I mean, they still could be. But considering their roster right now and yeah. the fact that they're rebuilding, they're not – like, EMA's coaching them, boys. They're only eight and nine. They're not that – they're in the, the play-in section right now. Yeah, so right. Listen, say what you will. You may not like EMA as a guy. I know there's some people out there that don't. But EMA's a heck of a coach, man. I like him. Yeah, I, I got no beef with Emay. Some people are like, oh, because he, he cheated on his girl. Like, okay, I'm not saying that's right, but I'm saying as a coach, bro, I'm, I'm an Emay guy, bro. He's a good coach. Yeah, I think, I, I think like, the Celtics, they regret, like, I mean, I think they literally regret um, firing him, you know, especially after what what he was able to do in his rookie season. I mean, he got him I mean to a if they would have kept him, yeah, I mean, if, if, if they would have kept him, it's possible that they would have ended up winning a championship way down, way, way more down the road, more than it was with Missoula. Yeah. So, you know, it's just unfortunate, but you know the way things are. Uh, but you know, he has a chance to refresh and get this team in the playoffs. And if he could do that with Dylan Brooks and Sengun and all these other, you know, um. Fred Van Vliet, the light skin Drake. Yep. Um, so that'll be great. You know, you got Jalen Green. So that'll be great for him. And, you know, it's very possible, you know, he could end up winning the coach of the year at some point, you know, within his career. So I think, I think, I think everything is on the rise for the Rockets. And oh, in sure. regards to what you said, uh, I agree. I mean, when it comes to the stars getting these calls, I I can definitely see that for sure. I mean, the only player who I do see who doesn't get any calls is Steph, while everybody else is always getting their calls or the or again they're picking the litter of, of whatever call they they choose or want. And do I think that LeBron? Do I think that Emay should have stayed in that game? Yes, I do think that he should have stayed in that game because it wasn't like he went at LeBron James's family and said, I'm going to, you know, do whatever with your wife. He didn't say none of that. No, he didn't. Now, that would have been crazy. That would have been crazy, but that wasn't said. So, if anything, you know, I think that Emei should have stayed in that game. 
And like I said, like it really wasn't that bad in terms of what he said. So I definitely agree with what you're saying for sure. So our last thoughts are going to be on the end season t- tournament. So this is going to be our last segment. Mike, wh- what do you have on this subject? I hate it. To be, to be, to be quite frank, I hate it. I think they're trying to like soccerify, for lack of a better way to put it, the NBA with this. And listen, nothing against soccer. Soccer is a good sport. I got no beef with it. It's very entertaining to watch, especially when the World Cup comes around. Um, but that being said, listen, you can't remedy the fact that players don't care about the regular season for the most part. Now, if there are young and up, up and coming teams, that's different. They're playing for something. But you talk about teams that are guaranteed to be in the playoffs every year, pretty much just about. They're not, they they just don't care. I understood what the NBA was trying to do by fining teams for resting players. If you want to increase the fines and increase the penalties, I think that's the way to go to get these guys to actually play. But as far as the tournament's concerned, okay, so you win the in-season tournament. Naturally, I get it. Athletes are competitive. What does it do in the long term? If you ask an NBA player right now, if you go up to Jason Tatum right now and say, yo, would you rather have the in-season tournament victory or an NBA championship? You can't say both. You can only have one. Which do you care more about? NBA championship. If you're looking back at Jason Tatum's career 15 years from now when he's retired or about to retire, you're not going to sit here and say, yeah, he may may have never won an NBA championship, but man, was he a dog in the in-season tournament final. No, no one's going to care. The Knicks could win it this year. If the Knicks won the in-season tournament, okay, fine, terrific. I don't care about that. I want the Knicks to get to the conference finals this year, you know, hopefully. I want to see if the Knicks can somehow in the near future, if they can get one more player, get to a finals. I don't give two craps if they win the in-season tournament or not. It's a stupid thing to add to try to make the regular season more competitive. The format makes no sense to me. It's super hard to follow. And on top of that, oh, what do you win if you win the in-season tournament? Okay, you win the trophy in Las Vegas for a game that doesn't count towards your regular season record. Stupid in its own right. The rest of these games do count towards your regular season record. And you win $50,000. Now, if you're talking college kids, $50,000 is a lot of money. You're talking about multi I think it's five hundred. They're five hundred. I think it's like five hundred thousand. Okay, even if it's five hundred thousand dollars, these guys are multi-millionaires. The veterans minimum in the NBA is two million. What do they care yeah. about half a million dollars when they're all millionaires? Even the entry level deals for these guys is in is like eight hundred and seventy five thousand or something like that for these rookies or one million dollars. They're making money. In, towards the millions, if not in the millions. So what's a half a million to them? What's what diff- If you're going to add the $500,000 to the salary cap, it still doesn't make a difference. It still makes no difference at all. So I hate this idea. And I, I, I say, bro, I used to think Adam Silver was a good commissioner. I really don't like what he's doing to the sport. I hate the plan. I think the plan sucks. I think the plan was a terrible idea, especially when you have teams that are in the seven. Like, for example, I go back to the Lakers. Last year, they were in the seventh seed. They won the play-in tournament. They ended up exactly where they would have been anyway in a previous season's format, which was the seventh seed. So there was no point in having them play those two games just to end up in the same spot they had to begin with. Now you add this tournament to the mix. Bro, just keep it simple. Keep it all you have to do. But he's too much of a coward to do it. David Stern, if David Stern was still around, would have said, okay, if you keep arresting your guys, I would have seen David Stern doing something like adding – more money to the fines, 
and even threatening teams with taking away one of their draft picks if they kept doing that. If you keep resting your players when there's no reason to and they're not injured, I'm going to take away your first round pick. That would solve the problem right then and there. But no, Adam Silver wants to cater to these players. So we're going to create a stupid tournament that nobody really understands and makes no short term or long term impact. Ask any fan of a contending team right now. Do you want your team to win the in-season tournament? And they will tell you it'd be cool if they did. We want to see our team win a championship in June. Yeah, I definitely agree with a lot of what you said for sure. Um, but the real question is, why are they doing this? I think it's because they lost money. I think the NBA they lost, lost money, money um, th- during the pandemic. Yeah, th- during the pandemic. So, and do I think that it's gonna work? I don't think that it's gonna work at all. I, I'm not really so sure if anybody's really viewing the end se- the end season tournament for real. I don't think that anybody really cares to that degree. I mean, yes, they're changing the courts and the and the uniform, but you know, like this doesn't really make anybody want to go watch the NBA. What would really help somebody want to watch the NBA is promoting the other athletes who are really good in the NBA, like a Trey Young, like a Tyrese Halliburton, like Anthony Edwards, like Zion Williamson, instead of, you know, talking about the old guard of Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Kawhi, Paul George, LeBron James. And we all know that for a fact that those players aren't really getting talked about as much as LeBron is. But, you know, if Adam Silver was to let go of LeBron and just rely on the other players in terms of promotion and marketing them, then maybe the league will be a lot better off. Okay? Maybe other players would actually maybe maybe we would watch the NBA more when it comes to the draft process the draft process right they allow for kids who are 18 19 years old to come to the NBA and become pro i don't think that that should happen anymore i think it should go back to where it was before, where players are coming in three years in after learning a system, learning how to play. Now you got everybody shooting all these threes. Now you got everybody playing the exact same way all the time. Nobody's playing different at all. And because of that, right, we get bad quality of basketball in the NBA, okay, and, and besides, back in the day, I mean, you know, a lot more basketball players, they were more well-known because of what they were able to do in college. Okay, if anything, Adam Silver, he probably should say, no, I want you guys to at least do two years, three years of college, not one year of college. Okay? And then on top of that, you know, when it comes to the G League and all that type of stuff. That's understandable, too. I mean, if you don't make it to the league, that makes sense for you to go to the G League. But I think that the development process of basketball players should definitely be a good three years to two years in order for us to get the birds, the Magics, the Steph Currys. I mean, 
if anything, I think that LeBron would be a lot more great or he would be considered better as a basketball player and he would not have all these issues in regards to him him knowing when to shoot the last shot or when not to if he would have went to college. And that's the same thing for Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant, he had the same issue. Okay? He came straight into the NBA, into the league, and, you know, he thought he was the man. And, you know, we saw what he was the first four years, but it took him a while for him to mature and get that high basketball IQ. I don't think that he really was able to really display how high his basketball IQ was until 2008 when he was able to get to the finals and win the MVP. Right. That year. But I just think that it's just better for players to stay in school. And and when it comes to uh, the calls and not checking the refs in regards to the refs being more sensitive more than ever, you know, you got refs who are giving out text for just a player saying what? Like, that doesn't make any sense. That's not deserved. That's wrong. That's bad quality. Then you got the all-star game as well. All right? Like, obviously, the players are not going to be as competitive as it's not no huge incentive because these players are making millions of dollars. You know, that's just the way it is at this at this point in time. And, you know, yes, I definitely in since the tournament makes any sense, but I do think that the play-in does make sense a lot more than the in-season tournament does. Okay? Because in the in-season tournament, they're not playing for anything. The play-in, they're at least playing for something, which is to make the playoffs and potentially get to, you know, the championship. I mean, it's it's all for one goal. And if anything, the best example of that was the Heat. They did that last year. So I'm not really too mad about the play-in tournament. I think it does make sense to a degree. But if anything, there shouldn't be a crowd there. So that's it on my thoughts in regards to that. This is my last podcast. I probably would not be coming back to podcasting anymore. Podcasting was a lot of fun. It gave me the chance for me to be able to display my own narrative that was different from ESPN and Fox Sports. I didn't like the fact that they were so narrative driven. I like to be objective and give actual facts to certain situations. And I just had a lot of fun doing podcasting. At first I wasn't even going to start podcasting, but then I thought to myself, I want to put the best foot forward and I just did it, you know, and 
you know, I don't know how many episodes I've done later, but it's a lot. And I will be done with podcasting, but that doesn't mean I'm done with the brand of Miles Ahead. Okay? I still will be utilizing Miles Ahead. As I said, you know, it's after my middle name. And that is something that, you know, is always going to stick with me (laughs) forever. And the slogan is, as you guys have already heard and know, probably by heart by now, let's not be inches, feet, meters, nor yards. Let's be miles ahead. So make sure that you guys stay miles ahead in life and upon, you know, just certain circumstances. And, you know, I've talked about a whole lot of different topics from the NBA to the NFL to boxing to movie reviews. I brought on guests. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this last podcast that I've done. And remember back in the day, I used to sound like I was reading. Now, who needs notes? Not me. So hopefully you guys enjoy this last podcast. I brought on a guest by the name of Mike. I know that you guys have definitely heard his voice before. He has his own podcast and he's been doing well with it. He's been doing interviews. And like I said, I'm not done with the brand. Okay, still going to be going forward. And maybe I'll let you guys know what will be happening in the near future. Okay, but like I said, I had a lot of fun. Merry Christmas to you guys. Hopefully that everybody is going to go into next year with a positive attitude and they will be able to have an even better year than they did this year. So have a great one and goodbye.